Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Lalit Dano Show. And today I have with me a esteemed guest. It's my honor and privilege to have this man sitting by my side. His name is Ramesh Venkateswaran. He is a visiting faculty at IIM Bangalore and IIM Udaipur. He's worked with some of the biggest corporates. He's he's had a stint as a teacher also at a school level. And the best part about this is that he's an author of the book called The Happiness Trail, which every single twenty-year-old must read. This podcast is super intellectually stimulating, so watch it, and I'm sure you will be amazed and enthralled at the end of this episode. Ramesh Venkateswaran, sir, thank you for coming on to my podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you here, and. Uh, I mean it's an honor I'm spellbound and the first time I saw you in the Toastmasters meeting I I walked up to Sureka ma'am and I I told her ma'am I really want to get him on my podcast because the way you were talking about your book and I I was re- I was able to resonate with that book at a very deep level so thank you sir I'm super excited for this episode My pleasure Lalit I told you it's always my pleasure <laughs> thanks for calling me that's all I can say So uh, so tell yeah. me Today you are a faculty at IIM Bangalore you're a faculty at IIM Udaipur you've been helping a lot of youngsters through your book and you've added so much value where did all of this come from sir like when did you actually start helping people where did it start so if i look at it um, uh, maybe 1990 is a good place to start because i made a major shift in my life okay uh, what was the shift like the shift was i left the corporate world Okay. I come from a very traditional background, hardcore South Indian father, naval officer, government servant. Nobody has ever done anything on their own. And I think it 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 was at that stage when I was doing very well in the corporate world and obviously these things, you know, when you when something's happened to trigger off a thinking. It's it's just one of those tipping points kind of a mm. thing. And I think a few few incidents in that period when I was doing extremely well, I was at the senior management level, and something's happened, and then I started questioning, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? If I move from point A to point B, will my life be any different? Mm. And then I realized that, you know, getting out of a job to another job is really just changing the is changing the organization, but not changing the system. Correct. Where you know when you're on your own or you're in teaching or something, but So I think it was at that point of time I took a major major shift. I call it major because it's a variety of reasons. One is um, so I questioned myself and I said if I leave this and go to another job will I get what I want to for the reasons I'm leaving here? Hmm. And I realized I won't. Hmm. I, I I don't think I sat and you know did it's not like today's world where you go and click a few buttons and get 100 people telling you about it. <laughs> you were on your own you just sat over there and and did something. Are you happy about that switch you made back then? Oh absolutely. <laughs> I don't think there is a I owe top doubt. So what was the like that aha moment like I I know you gave that in like a very vague sentence but can you take us back to that one specific day that one specific time and moment what was the tipping point uh, the tipping point was this that I said I don't think the corporate world is going to be any different anywhere else mm-hmm. and I was all of 37 38 it's not that I was 40 50 or something the second reason a uh, second factor was uh, those days in 1989 90 However senior you are the Indian salary system was very very low. India really opened up not in 91 92 as people say with Narsimharao but in terms of international salaries and packages it was about 95 96 97. Mm. 
Makes sense. So when I left, I had four mouths to feed. I had no idea where my next income was coming from. But and I had no savings. What was that driving force or what was that like, yeah. yes, I can go ahead. So let me, so I always say this, you see, I'm a big Steve Jobs fan, Apple fan and all that. And I think in management also, it's very important or even personal life. Most of us try to concentrate on what was this big point. Huh. Okay, but I, I have learned one thing. It's not only important to know what to do, it's equally important to know what not to do. Wow. And I think I was clear about what I didn't want to do. And I said, if I'm going to do this, I know I'm going to be in the same situation. And I think it was that clarity or that was the tipping point. Not so much about what I wanted to do, but what I was very clearly not wanting to do. Makes sense. And then the rest falls into place in some form or the other. Makes sense. And and I think there's a there's a quote by Warren Buffett, right? The only way you can make a good decision is by making a bad one. Yeah. Right? So it, you have to know the contrasting other piece to it and then you can figure the rest out. So... So once you shifted from corporate, did you have a plan in mind? Because today, a lot of youngsters think, if I have to make the shift, if I have to make the move, I need another assurance or surety that's ahead of me. What was next? What did you do after Absolutely that? Absolutely no idea. I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. And I was at a very senior level. Let me be clear about it. I was, uh, I was in a multi, you know, first Japanese motorcycle company. You're a, you're a big shot. But the honest to God truth is, I had no idea where my next meal was coming from. I was living on a day-to-day -day basis. So, you, the, you know, the challenge in today's world, you, you mentioned that. I think today's generation, uh, I, I've used this in the book, I use it everywhere. They want to use the escalator, they don't want elevator, they don't want to use the stairs. stairs. You want to get to the top fast. fast. And I don't think there is a shortcut to success. There's no shortcut to comfort, there's no shortcut to a goal. You can be a Messi, you can be a Ronaldo, you can be a Federer, there's no shortcut. True. You struggle for 20 years before you know that you're there. And when you're struggling, you don't even know you're going to be there. <laughs> Let's be clear about it. True. But are you clear on the journey? Are you clear on the path? So in my case, I think I, 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 I was real enough to understand that my lifestyle is going to be different. Mm -hmm. My terms are going to be different, but I'm okay because it was my choice. And uh, uh, so therefore, I, I, I think I mentioned this when I was telling some students. I said, here I was uh, jet set flying thing, but the next day I was traveling second sleeper, no AC, <laughs> no, I didn't have money. And I said, it's unfair on my part to try and do this. I didn't even know where I'm going to go. I used to go by air, I was going by bus, night buses to see my parents in Coimbatore. Uh, so I, I think, I think it was it was an acceptance of the fact that I didn't want to do this and if I wanted to do this I have to be prepared for certain things mm -hmm. and uh, therefore there was no problem and the family support of course your spouse has to be very very supportive but gradually I think it about it didn't take more than three to four years mm -hmm. uh, two to three years probably as reputation started building people started talking about me and the work I was doing in whatever cop largely corporate training Got it. it was largely corporate training so I started getting, then, uh, and then things just, just went, just went well for 15 years. On the other side of success, the other word is failure. And one of the questions that I get asked by my students is, sir, how do we deal with failure? How do, how do you overcome it? Or how do you not put your head and completely get involved in it? Right? So what do you think about failure? So what is your opinion about failure? Or at least the word failure. You know, again, it's a tough, dicey question, Lalit. Let me do, because I do a lot of counseling. 32 years, I've seen hundreds of people who go through emotional stress. And uh, a large amount of this emotional stress is because you can't handle the situation. 
and you don't handle if you can't handle the situation you're essentially saying you're failed you know mm. at, at a, at if you take it at a very basic level when i look at it so you know in in i'll keep dra- i don't, you don't mind my using analogies but when we when we do our training in counseling uh, we define this problem what is a problem and a problem so a problem is in a way a failure that is correct an obstacle and it, essentially we say that an obst- a problem is a situation which prevent where something prevents you from doing what you want to do it's it's you know it doesn't if you have if something prevents you from doing what you have to do you have, you have a problem so in a way failure now the reason i'm asking you this i'm i'm saying this is i wanted 98% i got 96% i'm failed so failure is there is nothing absolute in failure you may say below 40% is failure in a thing but for that 98% or a 100% student 96% is failure correct so the problem of failure is what are the metrics you have kept what are the standards you have kept for failure mm-hmm. and then i think it's all about conditioning yourself to understanding as to why you know how do i deal with non achievement of a target rather than failure oh wow wow that's a very nice way to put it i'm just thinking you know i have just thought of these words a few words which come up to me uh, i have learned that you just rephrase the word and uh, things look very different yeah changes perspective to today i forgotten which was the word i i was talking about yeah so it's about non achievement of a particular objective that i had makes sense so on the contrary now this is on a self talk level right now you're trying to uh, yeah. tell yourself this is how you do it but a lot of this failure comes in from the environment that you are surrounded with and 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 you have the primary environment which is your house your parents like you just mentioned now i feel students get into that zone not only because of their own thinking but also because of the like priming you could say that they receive from their parents uh, how do you how do children how can they deal this with their parent i mean on the other side because a lot of parents will always ask how to deal with children but i want to know how can children deal with parents because parents always have expectations they compare you which is i feel one of the biggest killers of creativity or your own personal self growth absolutely you know lalit unfortunately there's no quick fix formula for this mm-hmm. how do i do this four steps to dealing with it seven <laughs> steps to it doesn't work because because you just said it the starting point for stress is the parent it's never the kid let's face it i mean till we are 10 12 15 16 17 the parent is running your life at least the first let's say till teenage now therefore you are you are only a product of your parents uh, system and therefore how does the so to be able to do it it's it's very difficult for a teenager to call the shots in the house correct very true it's very very difficult so this is what you know in our counseling center we used to have a lot of children parents coming and complaining uh, we used to do work in schools and they said let's open a counseling center this that and then they said this child has a problem this child has a problem this and within 30 minutes you'll realize it's the parents have the problem the child is never has a problem <laughs> yes the child is only a byproduct or a, a product of the parents thing so how do i how does a child deal with it it's only if the parents are open to it hmm so we need to do a lot more and why do i so you brought me to another quick point that today you know when today i i mean even my generation we are all we grew up and your parents or grandparents definitely we all grew up in a generation which i call as life as a if you take life as a journey 
we were in a gently flowing stream hmm and you go on you navigate you will reach the end somewhere in your own time and life never changed you know i told you we we had one fiat and one ambassador and one kelvinator and that was all my grandfather saw my father saw i saw so what happens is that you didn't need too many life skills hmm. to manage there Makes was nothing sense. to be tempted because nobody else had anything else today you're on a white water rafting you're on rapids Hmm. the generation today is on rapids there's so many things happening times are changing technology is changing demands are changing competition is huge correct uh, and therefore if every role that you play needs a certain level of skill competence and thinking including parenting mm-hmm. parenting requires as much skill as any other skill so parents need to know what is their role what is not their role how do they get in what do they do so families which are naturally tuned to that are lucky okay their children are well adapted well well adjusted and so on and so on how do you think people of this generation can actually break those shackles and come out what do you think would be the right way to do it i think i think they need a lot of mentoring and 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 people at the educational institution level at the social level at the family level you can't blame a 12 13 14 year old because the 14 year old is is a result of 13 years of what he or she has seen and it's very very difficult and the, it's not easy for parents i can see that i see it in my family i have grandkids i have uh, and and uh, uh, but it's about biting the bullet and calling you know for example i i can share this with my son i mean I, when he and today i see it with my grandchildren they're saying that the parents have said that you know there's no tv with they don't have a tv at home now this is a challenge because at this stage at 8 9 year okay but at 10 12 when he sees all his other friends have got tvs and all you feel what kind of parents do i have correct unless you come from very very sound you know solid things so i don't know i mean it's it's so i think there's a lot the system has to do the, the system as in the family system the the social system uh the educate you know lalit simple things yeah yeah i've read in the book How, you you teach students honesty and integrity they're going in a school bus where that guy is cutting a red light every day the driver no school takes takes notice of it i see this day in and day out not one school the best of schools in bangalore i haven't seen any school bus standing at a traffic light at 7 in the morning so what is the kid going to understand and then his father or mother also cut lights <laughs> what what are you going to do you can put them in a geeta class or a moral science class these are to be just observed observed and i think that's where mentorship comes into play right you look at that person you observe Absolutely. and then and as you start observing it you start understanding the importance of mentorship and for a long time in my life sir when i did not have direction when i did not do things i used to always look up to people who i who who i'd love to be like you know dr rajdeep manwani from bangalore toastmasters was one such person that i always looked up to and then i always used to you know directly copy what he said on stage right maybe in my debate competition but once when it actually started it when it started working i started playing the game of fake it till you make it and then i walked up to him when i won a competition said could you be my mentor and since now, since then till now he's been my mentor and it's changed my life forever what do you think about mentorship sir what 
like how how does one individual identify the right kind of mentor and do you believe that there should be different mentors for different things in life yes if i need specifically i need some support in something uh, i would go to somebody so if you say multiple mentors i think the word you are really referring to is a coach not a mentor okay this is my view i don't mm-hmm. i'm very my knowledge is very limited on okay. this because if you that's for skills that you're looking at a mentor is a is an overall you know overall uh, what shall we i can't say be, be honest like this guy be disciplined like that person be something else like this person because if this honest person is indisciplined it's very tough for him to be a mentor for you correct the correct. mentor is an overall personality <clears throat> you appreciate that person for a sigma of multiple qualities oh wow awesome sir i want to ask you this question for a person who's watching between the age group of 18 to 23 a lot of them definitely do want to get into iim for various reasons why should one individual if they want to do an mba get into the iim what is the is should there be a standard clarity template there that okay because i want this i i'm coming to the iim or why the iim it's just a brand i mean it's a simple uncomplicated thing it's 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 the best brand that's available mm. it paves your path for the future it gives you that many more doors to open at the time that you want see i keep telling students at once you're out of an iim that iim is not worth the paper it's written on hmm so but it gives you the first second step you see your, your all your qualifications and degrees after the first 3 4 years 5 years when you're out on the job it really doesn't matter nobody cares True. i mean okay you got a good pedigree mm-hmm. it somebody will read your resume uh-huh sure somebody will read your resume you will stick it in somewhere and say okay you got a but after that you are on your own true isn't it so i think i think the aspiration is to to want to be in the best which is nothing wrong in that mm-hmm. but this is where if i don't get into the best doesn't mean i'm bad hmm nice that's it that's a good way to look at it you know i keep telling my students i i did an iit and i you know everybody looks at me like i'm god's gift to the <laughs> world i'm just lucky on that day there are millions of people better than me i know that wow it's okay <laughs> so take it make the best of it and move on <laughs> that's nice so so moving on i want to know like any time somebody speaks to you i'm sure whether you whether you're giving some takeaway or not but there is something to absorb something to learn from what you have to say from from your experiences what is that one or not one thing what is the most uh, amazing thing about being a teacher what do you like what do you love about it oh i it's uh, i think there are two three things maybe the first thing is uh, it just keeps you energized it yeah. keeps you energized you every every time you walk into a class you have no idea what's going to happen you have a game plan a script but especially when you're doing it with at the at the management school level a lot of it is discussions a lot of it is questions provoking and uh, and therefore you know your 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 mind is constantly active it's constantly active and i think it's for a person at my age to be in the company of 20 to 30 year old you're lucky i mean you're just lucky <laughs> you have a captive audience 
true and it like you said it kind of energizes you right like it makes you feel good it gives you a lot of perspective and what what led you to write your book uh, i remember seeing your book for the first time when you did come to our meeting and it's called the happiness trails right so what what about this book do you really i mean what got you on that journey to write that book that's uh, quite easy and quite interesting uh, it's a, it was a long journey you see what happened is i i, I told you i was in the consulting field in 20 in 2005 for a it's a long story to but it will cut a long story short i gave up all my work and went to head a school in uti the lawrence school is a public school and things like that it's a 170 year old school it was also my alma mater i oh. had studied there as a 10 year old 12 year old 14 i had passed out of that school my children also studied there it's a coeducational boarding school so anyway i went there i had a very short stint there but that moved me from corporate consulting to 1990 to 2005 corporate consulting 2005 onwards i gave up all of that so 2005 i went to a school and then in 2006 for whatever reason i left the school and i was sitting around and i found myself heading the business management school of the dharmasthala trust so those in karnataka will know dharmasthala i'm sure but anyway i i went and headed a b school as a director so during that period from 2005 onwards i came into very close contact with students on a 24 bar 7 basis okay the school is residential 100% and from anywhere from 9 year old to 18 year old coeducational and then i come to this graduate school they're all graduates coeducational residential that gave me a very different perspective to teaching it was not just going into a class and coming out i was on campus with them from food to this to that so 24 bar 7 then what happened is so i started talking to them off campus in campus i would start talking to them a lot of things especially on values hmm. so just to to give you a perspective and and i i i went back if you ask me this question i i went back and i had something in mind when i went to the lawrence school and i picked up a movie which i had seen and i didn't realize what an impact it had made on me since you are a toastmaster person i think you should have everybody see it sureka will tell you it's a, it's a good movie uh i called for a movie and it was called a man for all seasons hmm. this was a 1967 or 68 7 academy oscar you know oscar award and i realized that it had made an impact on me and when i brought the film from america those days you didn't get it in india i was amazed that it had made such an impact on me as a 15 16 year old it's all about a man with values sir thomas more and and king henry the henry the so anyway i started showing these films to the students in school and then we would have a debate discussion then i did it in college so this continued then in my class in bangalore and and uh, in my management school in the 20th session my last session used to be on this oh wow and my theme there was not happiness trail it was called dishonesty is not equal to cheating Hmm. and there was a theme i built around it wow. on values about the difference between being dishonest and being a cheat okay so this continued for about 5 7 years then a classmate of mine from iim had once wrote a mail to all of us saying listen we are all getting old we got grandchildren what is the message you leave behind the five things that your grandchildren should do to lead a happy and meaningful life and that set me thinking and said what have i been talking about for the last 10 years hmm. and slowly this evolved and i said okay let me try and put this down to 5 and because i am a management guy 
management schools always you need that four P's, five W, six H, kind of a thing. So I gave in my five I's, hmm. and this five I's is what I believe is a result of my experience to lead a happy life. Okay. And uh, my assumption was that you were working so hard. You know, you asked me this question about failure and success, and we are all wanting to be successful, and we have our metrics of success, but. deep down we are assuming that if i am successful i will be happy deep down we all want to be happy and this is a means to happiness so i said our formula seems to be our life's framework seems to be success equal to happiness if i am successful i'll be happy but then the whole book talks about that doesn't that's not true okay there are many successful people who are not happy true from suicides to antidepressants only the rich people do it in in large numbers at least so i then changed it and said therefore let's rephrase it to say if i am happy i am successful hmm wow and therefore chase happiness wow. and you will be successful so now i i mean when you say this it comes from such a profound place and and i'm able to relate to it because a lot of times like when i've won an award it feels great right at that moment it feels great but again i have to go back to the same bed and sleep and i'm still stuck with a trophy alone and then i'm questioning myself can i do this again what if i don't do it what, what what if people you know actually talk behind my back all of these small little questions keep creeping up so let's dig down a little more deeper into this aspect sir so i want to understand if happiness is the goal how do you attain that what is what, what is what, what are the things that you have to do yeah lalit again i am not a philosopher okay i am not a spiritual person mm -hmm. i am not a greatly uh, you know thinker or mm -hmm. anything like that. so let's be let's i don't want to even make claims of uh, trying to be like that mm -hmm. when i do get a saffron robe or a long <laughs> beard and sit down i will do that but right now no it's it's so this is why i said my book is called as i said the minute you get into all of this you immediately quote the scriptures you quote the the geetas and the bibles and the qurans because or the platos and the socrates and the thinkers so i call that the wisdom of the ages wisdom which has flown down from ages my book and my philosophy is what i call the wisdom of age growing old <laughs> nothing more complicated so the things i have learned the things i have learned are a few things one is how do i get happiness you you can't chase happiness because happiness has is internal to you what you chase is success which gives you what you said is satisfaction a ephemeral transient momentary high which is we can call it satisfaction we can call it joy which we loosely call happiness the reason is simple you believe that you will be extremely happy if you get into iit let's say the day you have got into iit that goal is irrelevant yeah it's gone irrelevant True. now i'm stressed out because i'm not everybody is better than me there hmm the day i get, then i say okay i get i want to get a first class in my first year hmm. the day you have got your first class in your first year it's not going to help you in your second year it's gone you still have to work harder so this that. is the yeah. jargon i learned that we are living on what is called a hedonic treadmill the treadmill is hedonic that we are constantly moving so all this is satisfaction happiness is what i decide to be when you read hundreds of people quoting very nice makes excellent statements there so essentially as i said nobody can make me unhappy without my permission 
So I think we need to differentiate between those triggers which make us happy, quote unquote, but effectively it is a gives us a sense of satisfaction. Hmm. Happiness is internal to me. Hmm. Satisfaction is external to me. Joy, satisfaction. The trigger is outside. Hmm. Here the trigger is inside. Hmm. And I think that is where today I am saying guys like us didn't need to think too much about it because life didn't demand it. Hmm. Today life demands it. You have to make choices. Correct. You have to make so many different uh, decisions. And there is no right or wrong. That's why I call it the GPS. <laughs> Just, so you asked me what is my rope. So my path to happiness is those five eyes. So can we quickly state five. that for five? Yeah, eyes. so I look at five eyes. So why is this five eyes important? Why it's it's so basically I said uh, for the young people especially, uh, life is a journey. Right. And we need direction. So in the olden days, we had a compass, which would tell us. Now, compass was okay up to a point, but what did the compass do? The compass only tells you it is in the north. The north is here. It doesn't tell you anything more than that. Today, I say that you don't need a compass. Compass is not enough. What we need is a GPS. Because a GPS tells you a few things. It tells you different routes, different problems, different situations. So, but for a GPS to work, you need two inputs. A compass doesn't need two inputs. It doesn't need any input. It just tells you not. A GPS necessarily needs two things. One is it must know where you want to go. Therefore, you must have clarity on that. Whether I want to be this or that or this or that. That is chaos in itself because your parents want you to do something. You have to want to do something. The world wants you to do something. So, on. so that's one. But the second important thing of a GPS is it must also know where you are. You must know your own talents. You must know your interests. You, there's no point in me aspiring to be you. Correct. Correct. You understand? Your destination and my destination can't be the same or may not be the same. So, my why I call this book, and that's why I see it's relevant, is I'm saying you take stock of your situation. You decide what is relevant. Once you got it, for me, the five eyes are things we should be doing which will lead us to the path of being comfortable with ourselves. For me, happiness is being at peace with yourself. Hmm. That's happiness. It's it, And therefore, I made peace with myself when I left the corporate world saying, I don't have a problem traveling by scooter, by, by a, a night bus. I, it didn't matter to me. So I think, th so the five eyes for me are, one is the first eye is integrity. And uh, integrity again, you know, uh, I, I've evolved in the last few months of chatting with people like you. The minute we talk of integrity, we talk of honesty. Hmm. I am using a marketing definition of integrity. And marketing is clarity of who you are. As long as you can sleep well at night. You could be the most dishonest guy, but I'm clear that this is my, my strength. I'm good and I, with that, I don't mind cheating five guys, but I'll sleep well. You have integrity. It may not be acceptable to the rest of the people. Correct. But <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you know what you're doing in some way. But otherwise, ideally, integrity is a little bit of honest. The second one I've said is interact. People. I said money cannot ever buy you happiness. Money can buy you comfort. But it's the people around you who will decide whether you're going to be happy or not. And then there are lots of examples of that. And I've learned this myself. And that's one of the reasons I didn't suffer the pangs of separation from the high-profile corporate world. Because I think I didn't realize the value, but now I do. The value of good friends, who, for whom it didn't matter who you were. 
I learned this progressively in the last 30 years. The third I for me is uh, is very important because I think I've done that in the last 40 years is involve, put your heart into what you do. Trust your heart more than your mind. Because if your heart is not happy, you will never be happy. So don't over-intellectualize things. You need intelligence, you need intellect. But at the end of the day, so you know, when I left this great public school, Lawrence School, it's top five schools and all. And I left in a, for whatever reason. Immediately I got calls from large number of people. I had made an impact there, my, my word had gone, people were gone around. Large number of people from very top schools in India called me and said, will you come to this school, will you come to that school, we're looking. I said, no, I won't. He said, why? We are, you know, we are, we are equally on the top five public schools in the country. I said, the answer is very simple. What took me was not that it was a great school. It was, my heart was in that school. Hmm. And that's the only reason I went. And I said, my heart is not in your school. Why would I want to come there? <laughs> so, for me, involved is the third thing. And for this generation, I think it's extremely... So, the I in people is very important for this generation because we have become a completely disconnected generation. Thanks to the social media, thanks to the mobile phone. We have stopped talking to people, personally. And there are lots of examples I've used, and lots of them. Similarly involved, we have lost the, we have lost pride in doing, in doing something 100%. I look at our temples and I look at our structures of 1000 years and 2000 years old. We can't build a building without, <laughs> uh, you know, cracks and uh, patches and so on. And this is the generation we are leaving behind. We are to blame. My generation is to blame. But this is the reality. So they have lost the, the ability to take pride in what they're doing. For me, it was pride to make my bed in the morning, pride to fold the thing, pride to do this, pride to see my report going on, handwritten project reports. I would look at it with pride to say, yeah, it looks good. We are, we are a cut and paste generation. And the problem is, we want to get to the fast. Everybody wants to be a unicorn before the startup. <laughs> but read the life of Jeff Bezos, read the life of Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Brian Chesky, all the big names. 20 years, they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. Phil Knight of Nike, Brian Chesky of, uh, of Airbnb, Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Come on, 15, 20 years, they were, they were living bootstrapping. So we only see this and therefore we just don't have the other comfortable. The fourth I is what you just talked about and it's very important today is we're living in a world which is changing every five years. We, our world changed every 20 years. And therefore, you better be ready to learn, imbibe, absorb. And I keep saying that as you grow older, it becomes difficult because we become pig-headed. More than that, we, as you grow up the hierarchy, people expect you to know, so it becomes difficult to say, I don't know. Wow. Wow. You know, yeah. as a manager, as a teacher, as a, I tell my class, they ask you a question. I say, sorry, I haven't, I really don't know. Why don't you, let's talk about it next time. I think it takes real honest courage. Honesty, see, it all boils down to honesty. Honesty, yeah. But it is very important because as you grow older, it becomes more difficult for two reasons. One is my own ego. The second is I am living up to your expectations. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, makes you know, sense. Makes sense. He is my manager. He doesn't know. <laughs> so that's the f and the fifth, which I think is again very, very important, especially for people in this country, 
and all of us sitting in the comfort of a room like this is impact what change have you brought about to people around you have you made a difference and i keep telling my students it's not your resume difference that i i put market share by so much that's your paid for it have you done something in to make a difference to people around you in their lives to 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 their well being and i said we in this in country we are the 200 million people if you're watching the youtube you're one of those 200 million people mm-hmm. if they're watching you correct and we have been the beneficiaries of a system that allowed us to grow let's be clear i am i am certainly very clear about it iit and iim somebody else paid the fees for it and therefore i am very happy i never went abroad i never studied abroad i'm so happy i'm in the country and i believe we owe it back to give back to this country in some way or the other so i'm not a great fan of all the guys who go abroad and settle down there hmm. uh, i think we should go you must see the world you must see what are the boundaries of uh, or, or no boundaries of achievement but end of the day we are the fortunate few who need to come back so these are my five eyes mm-hmm. in some way or the other true sir and i like the last point because when i went abroad it the perception to reality was so different and i and i realized that there's so much here like so much here which you don't realize like i used to complain about eating upma you know with my mother but when i went there and i had nobody to cook for me i started developing gratitude and then i realized i am actually blessed to be in this country right um, if you go to the us everything structured everything systemized but here it might not be structured guess what you can do it you 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 could take it head on and uh, being the guy who went there and came back now i tell my students that the your your reason should be super specific to go there like if you're just watching a movie or two and now you want to blow your parents money there i'm sure you're going to be even more miserable there like because you have no direction and 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 i definitely do resonate with what you're saying sir i love those five eyes i want to ask you this what in those five eyes which one do you think is the most important one you know i know somebody will ask me this question you see I, I i will use my favorite chatwala um, chatwala analogy in this and i will use another analogy you see there is nothing called i have in some ways put a hierarchy to it but yeah. i have not put it to say impact is the least mm-hmm. so in my case what i have said is you work on a foundation of integrity it's it's your foundation the three pillars for me are people interact heart into it involve imbibe and on the superstructure is have you made an impact mm. but that's my that's the way i look at it but for me integrity is definitely the number one but to answer your question i would think that each one dis- that's where you know somebody asked me saying your book is nice but you haven't given an answer i said it's because there is no answer you have to find your answer to it i call this book so therefore my chatwala thing is when when i went out of iim gold medalist and all that i had a boss and one day really down to earth guy uh he asked me for a report or something and i said you know it'll take time sir i'll give it he says why time there's no time then he says i no no i said i have to do so. he says listen we are all like chatwalas i said what do you mean he says when you go to a chatwala you know depending on haldiram or kailash parbat or wherever you are in the world how many items does he have on a So I said, depending on the size, he'll have 100, 200, 300 items, whatever it is. He says yes. 
He says, how many ingredients do you think he has? I said, maybe seven, eight, nine masalas he has. He says, exactly. He says, the chatwala skill is in knowing what masala can do what. And how much of a masala is required for whose recipe. Mm. He says, we all have the same data points. And I, 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 that's the best strategy lesson I've learned. Anybody can Google, press a Google and get the same data point. The question is, do you have the skill to know two things? Today, I tell my students two things. One is you must know what data point to pull out. It's like a doctor. I can ask you for a lab test, but if I ask for the test which is not connected with the disease, I will give you a prescription not connected with the disease. Wow. It's very simple. So the skill for me is in diagnosis, not in prescription. And therefore, there is no one eye. You decide, I am okay. For me, let's say for me, right now, maybe learning is my most important. I'm okay with the other four. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm okay with the other four. This is my one analogy. The chatwala for me is the best I've learned ever. And I'm going to generously steal that from you now. You can steal it as long as people like... You see, I, I do this in these B schools because, you know, we all have a chip on our shoulder. IIM, IIT. And I say, listen, you're right down to earth, chatwalas. Wow. I would do this at least six to eight times in my set course. That's Let's it. get down to it. What are you looking at? You're looking at seven data points. Nice. That's it. The other way to look at it is, the, the, the way you look at it is... Uh, I, I, I read this somewhere that, you know, you all are important. A pilot cannot say, today I don't feel like doing D3 tests. Let me do those two tests. <laughs> They're all important. What do you do? Yeah. Okay. So you have to, on one hand, I say all are equally important. The other hand, I say you customize it to your, to your requirement. Makes sense. And, and that's the best I can say. I really like the way you use these examples of analogies in between. It, it simplifies the concept in much much better way. Sir, it's been an absolute honor and a privilege to have you by my side here and really pick off your brains. Because for me, at the end of the day, this podcast is not just a networking tool or not just an opportunity to meet, but an opportunity to unlearn all the things that I've had. And it's been happening for the last six months. And I really, really, really thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. And it means a lot. And I, I really wish you get all the more strength and courage to change more people's perspectives for, for, for as many years as possible. Thank you, Lalit. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. I hope so, too. Thank you, sir. It was a <laughs> Thanks. Pl pleasure having you, sir. My pleasure. My Thank pleasure. you, sir. My pleasure.